0: Wine, food, talk. NapaBroadcasting.com. Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. We've just concluded this year's Auction Napa Valley. Over $15 million was raised to benefit our community. And while the auction itself and the work of the Napa Valley Vintners is at this point a well oiled machine, each year's auction reflects the strengths, ideas, vision, and energy of the honorary auction chairs. Over the years, many families have stepped in and filled this role. This year was a little different. It was a working family, the family inside Opus One. And I'm sure this year's auction and the work that goes into it probably made the whole group feel like they really were blood relatives. To talk about this year's auction, to recap it, and to give us a sense of what really goes on behind the scenes, I'm joined by Michael Salacci, the winemaker, and Christopher Barefoot, the PR and marketing director both from Opus One. Michael, Christopher, thanks so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. It's great Thank to you have you much. here. First of all, I'm sure you're both very relieved that it's over. Talk a little bit about the feeling once it was all done, first of all, and then we'll go back and talk about it. Christopher?
1: Well, I think the feeling is so much like any major event that's taken years years of planning. This started 18 months ago, and then you have that thrill and excitement, and then the next morning you can just, you're slightly relieved, but then you look back over the time and see... $15.8 million was, was the achievement, and that you, then you feel really good about it.
0: Michael, talk a little bit about the, the family aspect of this, because over the years, it's been a lot of you know families, literally, and you guys were, were kind of a working family. It was a different kind of situation.
2: It was, but in a, in a way, it was the same, because we are working as a group of families together, and I think that our business... Uh, Opus One, as an example, is a great reflection of the Napa community, and it's a great reflection of what Auction Napa Valley is all about. We have people in need at the winery, um, and we we do some of the same things that uh, Auction Napa Valley does, and that is we educate people so they can do a better job, so they can provide for their families. We provide a great health program for uh, the people working at the winery. So in essence, this is a microcosm of, of auction Napa Valley and, and the Napa community.
0: Christopher, talk a little bit about Opus One, a little bit about the history. You know, you, you and I were talking before we went on the air about the college here. So many people drive by and have never been on the campus. Opus One is one of those places that so many people drive by on the highway and not uh, not everybody has been to. So talk a little bit about its history and about the place.
1: Well, Jeff, I think the most important thing to recognize is it, is it was a coming together of two families on the theme that you were just talking about. And Robert Mondavi, of course, who started his own winery here in the Napa Valley, and caught the attention of Baron Philippe de Rothschild of Chateau Mouton-Rothschild in Bordeaux, who went into partnership with Robert with this idea of bringing together two great cultures, the cultures of France and wine, and then, of course, Robert and his, his belief in Napa Valley that it could be among the finest grape-growing regions in the world – and I, when they set about creating Opus One, it really was to embody both of those ideas of tradition, but innovation and uh, selecting this beautiful site, which you're right, many people probably drive by on a regular basis. Um, we are by appointment only, which does limit some of the access, but uh, the appointments can be achieved and we'd love to welcome any of the citizens of Napa to come visit.
0: And talk about how long you've been there and a little bit about the evolution over, over these many years. Well,
1: I, I'm actually probably the newest comer at Opus One. I've only been there for two years uh, and so, but I can say that I to see the evolution of Opus One from probably one of the most special wines ever created in the Napa Valley, selling at $50 in 1983, to where it is today, where it's not just a local winery. It's where we are distributed around the world in, in 70 countries. And I think that makes it a, a unique uh, wine, but also a unique concept, where we are sharing the bounty of Napa Valley uh, in many countries through our uh, distribution.
0: Michael, talk a little bit about how this evolution, how this international aspect of it is reflected in the wine and how the, the philosophy, the things that you guys have both been talking about, is reflected in, in the product that you make.
2: Well, starting in the vineyard, we're focusing uh, as if we're, uh, we're making vineyard-designated wines. So the concept is define the needs of every single vine and then meet those needs. And imagine that every vine is going to go into a bottle and it's going to tell you where it comes from. We have four estate vineyards, five, uh, all five of the Bordeaux varieties, and we, as much as we work to treat the vines as if they're making a vineyard-designated wine, at the end of the day, we're making a proprietary red, which is an estate wine. And it's like being bilingual. So I think so many aspects of, of what we do is a reflection of, of the founders. Both of them um, were very innovative. Both of them. Uh, came up with ideas and processes and procedures and techniques and ways of working with wine, food, and music and people that are traditional. And when I first arrived at Opus One, my mantra became Enhance Tradition, Maintain Innovation, because that's what Mr. Mandavi and Baron Philippe de Rothschild were all about. And the collaboration between the two, there were three committees at the beginning, an aesthetics committee, a vineyard viticultural committee, and a winemaking committee, each comprised of members from both sides. And they worked together to define the principles of viticulture, winemaking, and aesthetics. And it was truly a a consensus. And I think that's what makes Opus such a special place. Just to make wine there is very special because it's very simple. Uh, When you have two different... Uh, groups coming together, two different cultures meeting. the interface is going to be something pretty spectacular and uh, and 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 it is a simple place to work.
0: A lot of people, certainly if we look at other businesses and other examples outside the wine business, you see two cultures, two very different cultures, one from France, one from here coming together. Sometimes you get a clash of cultures. It doesn't always work quite as smoothly as you're talking about
2: well the the common bond. Uh, the, the, the thread that ran between both cultures is wine, food, family, culture.
0: Christopher, talk a little bit about how that all came together in being the honorary chairs of Auction Napa Valley this year.
1: Well, when we started, we started looking at what uh, we wanted to really achieve, which was uh, pretty much three things. We wanted to make sure we brought back the focus on the wines I- at the auction, Focus on the beneficiaries, those who will actually benefit directly from the proceeds of the auction, but also to have fun along the way. And when we took a look at this, it was that we looked at the bounty of Napa, nurturing the community, and then this whole idea of supporting the family. And so the theme that we started working with as a working theme, it's never really a theme that's published, but a working theme for this year's auction was Families for Families. And with that, we, that's how we started to redefine ourselves in terms of how we look at ourselves as a working family, recognizing the 27 different beneficiaries that are, that are involved and really trying to bring those things to the forefront. And then during the actual layout of the auction, be providing opportunities to showcase visually what, the, what this auction is doing for the community, creating the marketplace, which is more of a, a communal experience, which was our lunch experience. Mm-hmm. And then all the way down to the dinner experience where we were all seated in a family style, but with plated dishes by Pierre Gagnier. So we brought in Pierre Gagnier from – he's a three-star Michelin chef from France who brings in the French side. Of course, we had – it was in Napa Valley, so you couldn't escape that element. But there was the French and and local, and I think the the combination of all that really showcased a little bit of our own personality, that dichotomy of French and, and American.
0: Michael, talk a little bit in the eighteen months run-up to this. How much of your time it took? How much did, uh, time did you guys spend thinking about this, working on this? Me- obviously, a lot of meetings along the way.
2: <laughs> well, there were meetings, scheduled meetings, uh, so that everyone could would know what what was expected of them. But we did never stop thinking about it. You know, laying in bed at night, how can we um, how can we get the the beneficiaries um, in, visible? How could we make them more visible? Um, we, all these processes like the auction booklet, for example, we had, there would be auction lots and then interspersed would be, uh, photographs and images about the beneficiaries. And just how we got there was a very long process. Uh, should they be included in the pictures? Should be, they be the ones pictured in the, in, with a, with a specific, lot? Um, and it evolved to this, um, them being interspersed. Uh, the big panels of images of the mm-hmm. beneficiaries, Mia, uh, the little dancer, uh, who really brought fun in need, uh, really brought a focus to fund and need. But it was a lot of work. Uh, but as Christopher said, it was also a lot of fun. That was our, our whole message uh, to ourselves and to the steering committee. Establish a great steering committee that's going to take care, of, everyone's going to take care of their role and their responsibilities. Work hard and have fun. And the, it all came together.
0: I want to talk about something that, that you mentioned a moment ago, Christopher, and that is bringing the the focus on wine back to the center of this. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, of course, in the in the early days, it was just about wine. It, when Mr. Mandavi right. and, and uh, Margaret Mandavi and the Chapelets came together to create the first auction up a valley, it was Based on the Hospice de Bon, it was the idea of selling wine for the, just for the beneficiary of local health and housing, and of course, over the years as the event has grown and become more exciting and more elements have been added, the lot lots have increased, and of course, that's a wonderful thing. That's that's what helps make it so successful, and there are other auctions in the in the in the country that do events where it's wine and food but also cars lots of like, big lot, stuff lots of you know jet <laughs> jet right. experiences right. and that, and that's a wonderful thing and i think it, it that benefits benefits directly those communities as well but we are in the napa valley and this is the auction napa valley american great american wine classic which has become the best attend event for wine and food. So we said we said we really had this opportunity to at least lean. We can't we don't want to strip the, the excitement that has been developed in the, the character of the wine auction that it's gotten where it's gotten to, but to at least acknowledge a little bit more the wineries, the Vintners that are all an integral part of creating this special event and then really have, creating the opportunity to enjoy the bounty of Napa Valley, which is the wine and food.
0: Talk about it from your perspective, Michael. This idea of bringing the wine back to the center. Well, that's why we're here.
2: I mean, we're, we're here in Napa Valley because this is one of the greatest um, places to grow grapes in the world, and with that comes a lot of. Uh, it's a, it's a magnet for people who who want to um, make wines that that tell the the customer where they come from, and. This idea of of uh, these great restaurants we have in the Napa Valley, it really has become a showcase for the wine and the wine really, when you think about it, when we talk about the very first auction Napa Valley, we talk about a six pack of Opus one that was sold for twenty four thousand dollars it's all about the wine that's what uh, the two bidders were, were were going after and wine is uh, is is what attracts people to the auction because if if you didn't have incredible wines made from so many different people in this valley there wouldn't be an auction Napa Valley
0: there's also the sense of people coming here in terms of the auction and and people that come here as visitors all year round that that both of you guys interact with that makes it unique in in so many ways because people get to inter- interact with the people that are doing the work i mean michael i'm sure you know you get a million questions a year from all the visitors that come there that want to know about the work that you do. There's that sense of engagement. People can go to a museum, but they don't get to interact with the artists. They can come to Opus One or Mandavi and, and interact with, with the winemaker.
2: That's, I think, what is so special about Napa. Um, I, I travel a little bit, and I'll invite people. They'll ask me, what is it like to to make wine? I'll say, well, once you stop by? You know, We'll meet in the back parking lot of Opus One <laughs> at 5 o'clock in the morning, and you get a little safety lesson you pick some grapes you're totally humiliated by the fact that people working alongside you are picking grapes faster than your shadow and you climb up on the back of the of the platform of the tractor you see this beautiful view of of harvest have a little nespresso and then it's off to bouchon for a hot chocolate and a croissant and then back to the winery to do pumpovers taste grapes to make harvest decisions so in Three or four hours, you get a you, you have this experience that really tells you what we're all about.
0: Talk a little bit about how it all came together for, and how many were involved at Opus One in this committee and putting all of this together for auction Napa Valley this year, Christopher.
1: Well, after as Michael alluded to, the, creating a fantastic steering committee, which we have to express our appreciation for. But there, there's also we created immediately a working team within Opus One, which comprised about 15 people from all the different departments at the winery so that we were really clear to have complete company engagement with the event so that everybody knew what was going on at what time uh, in order to provide them the opportunity to volunteer. Uh, There are over 500 volunteers that are involved in making this event happen. I just saw the ad over the weekend that was uh, expressing appreciation to all of them, and I I read through the list, actually, and I was so thrilled to see so many of my friends that had, had volunteered. I didn't get to see them, but I, now I know they were there and making that event possible. So you have the hundreds of volunteers, you have the the team that we put together, you have the steering team, but then you have all the vintners, you have all the restaurants in the community There were over forty. I think it was forty eight restaurants at Friday's event, mm-hmm. and then just the, the the team at Meadowood. All of these elements that come together, it is it's multi pronged. It's tendrils that go throughout the entire community, and I think that's what makes it so special. The community comes together to do something that then, in turn, helps strengthen the community going forward.
0: What influence still comes from France in terms of Opus One?
1: Wow, where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly, in our, when we when we look at the, the wines, I mean, we have Michael's uh, certainly understanding of it, but also we, we still have a working committee that in, engages with winemakers from our, our um, other parent half, the, from Chateau mouton Rothschild uh when you think about france and in the aesthetic of the winery there are certain details uh that are specifically sort of embody the precision and sort of the history uh and maybe the elegance of france but we 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 temper that a bit with little elements that are contemporary and californian that keep that tension that even from the founding was there we keep kind of keep that in our aesthetic as well in at the winery um but I think it's always there. That little element, that little edge of, of France is, is, is present every day.
2: We have um, also Bastille Day is one of our holidays. And for Bastille Day, we have the American and the French flag flying at Opus One. Um, also, we celebrate uh, the Hispanic community. We have the Cinco de Mayo as a holiday for the vineyard workers, and we have a, a little fiesta uh, that's a lot of fun for them. Uh, we have a blessing of the grapes that... That is a reflection of um, of our partners. So, there's so a, it's 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 throughout the winery. You can feel it.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned Christopher the tension. What is that about? Where does that come from? And how does it manifest itself?
1: I think the tension is really when you think about it, it's different ideas, different cultures that come together, and it's always about that tension is about finding the absolute best, looking for absolute wine quality. is not just a statement. It is this is one person may believe you've got it the other doesn't but that back pull back and forth is really an, is essential in propelling forward and whether it's in wine, in, in in wine quality, whether it's in an idea or a concept, and how you vet that out, even with when you look over the years, Mr. Mandavi and the Baron, and later his his daughter Philippine didn't always agree, and but they knew that they had to reach an agreement. They, there was no veto power because each had a pure fifty fifty partnership there, and I think that is what made it tr- truly unique. There was no opt out you had to find a solution, which is almost like a marriage in some ways. You you may know that someone might have a slight upper hand in in one way, but you're still going to have to find the the solution. And oftentimes, because of that discussion or that that feeling of wanting to do it, get it right, you actually find yourself in a better place in the end.
0: Was that the case sometimes in the process leading up to to the auction? I mean, you had a lot of people involved in this, both internally at Opus One and in this larger group that, that Christopher was talking about.
2: Uh, I, I didn't feel a lot of pressure at all, or a lot of tension at all with our steering committee or with the vintners. I had heard stories about how there is there is tension and and some vintners want, demand this or that. Uh, some of the families that were uh, in invo- honorary chairs, we found it to be so fluid. And I think that's part of... Um, uh, a reflection of the way we work together as a team at Opus and the fact that we have a, a parent on the East Coast and one in Europe. And, and we're, my, my grandparents all came from Switzerland, so I'm genetically equipped uh, to, to work at Opus One. It's, it's a constant flow of compromise and finding um, what is the best way to get to our common goal, which is to make great wine, pay attention to detail, have a pure focus and have fun.
0: And Christopher, talk a little bit about auction day itself. You and I were talking again earlier about the concern the nervousness you want it to be a success. you want everything to go well and 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 everything that leads up that eighteen months that lead up to that day
1: well it's it, once you 've gone in and invested so much personal energy, collective energy into an event that is so special and that you 've got the entire valley and and indeed people from around the world that are coming in to look and see what have you done what what's new. How is this really going to be a reflection of, of Opus 1? And we we really looked at it as, wait, this is not about Opus 1. This is about the community first and making it a successful event. If we can leverage our sensitivity to beauty or to experience to make it a better experience, that was really what we wanted to do. And day of, as you watched people walking down the lawn of Meadowood and seeing the new tent, which was a polis tent, which created this dramatic effect when you when you walked in but or even just approaching the first glass and entering the marketplace you could feel the energy under the tent and for me personally, of course, at that moment, seeing people engaging with each other, engaging with the vintners, and eating the food, enjoying, laughing, you could tell that people were having a great time. And ultimately, the most important thing was that this be a success, that we raise as much money as we could, which still $15.8 million over a few days Fantastic. Is, is amazing. And I, I just, I couldn't have been more proud of the community and of the team for what we create, created.
0: And finally, Michael, start with you. How do you think this has changed the way Opus One, the people that work there, the team, you guys, see the community today and interact with the community going forward?
2: You know, I think it's it's given us a um, a clearer vision of the community at large, because we have um, a very diverse community within Opus One. Um, just when you think about winemaking and viticulture. Uh, two different disciplines. Winemakers are like uh, painters and viticulturists are like sculptors. And how do they interface and work together to to do great things? So I, I really think that it just allowed us to, to have a greater sensitivity to the community at large. Um, even though we basically had that foundation because of who we are.
0: Christopher?
1: I I look at it and say it, it really gave an opportunity for us to, for people to see that we are a part of the community, that we we live and 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 work here and we go to work and we have our families and not everything's perfect in all those families but but it's, we come together and we, we're we're like everybody else and since we have our, our challenges but we also have these tremendous successes and we are all so fortunate that those of us who do work at Opus One to To enjoy working there, but we are a part of the community as well. And I thought this was an opportunity for other p- members of the community to see us that way, and see us that we we do care, and that we are a part of it.
0: Well, I thank you both for coming in, Christopher Barefoot, Michael Salachi. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate thank you, Jeff. it, Jeff. You're
2: listening to NapperBroadcasting.com.